Feels like the first time I made time in a minute. Rock with it, I'm in attendance. How can we pair feelings aside? I gotta match the fires to the flame. The feeling just got attached. I got the days fall to straight, fall away. Small the waist started dancing on me. Had to take your back home. Time moving slowly, fast fall. In the belly, it's signs it's angelic And my through my aesthetic And most of try get it Love it without limits The message is over there Round and round with me The baby don't mind spinning Word, put it working Girl, she questions like little pearls Hair straight of them curls Beautiful cause you earned it Making this thing worth it Hey, GMGM, Maeve knows my buddy. How are you doing, my fellow co-host? Hey, Pew, can you, hey, can you hear me? Yep, yep, I can hear you, bro. Thanks for having us. Sorry, man, like, uh, my, my connection today is just pretty bad. I don't know why, it's just like everything is just rugging me. My Wi-Fi is rugging me. My phone is rugging me. My laptop is rugging me. But, like, I hope everybody's not getting rugged. What's good? What's good, everyone? <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. I'm pretty excited today. Obviously, you know, we have tons of uh, you know speakers today. And I know for a fact that, hey man, today is going to be an interesting topic because, you know, we have Porter Fantasy, we have Blood Loop, we have Faber Bond, we have Heroes of NFT and Parcel NFT. And recently, I know, I know that, hey man, like, you know, Avalanche Summit number three, it's crazy, right? Like, I saw tons of pictures you guys posted. So, let's get the show started. Mev, you ready, bro? Oish. Oish. I'm always ready. <laughs> All right. What's up, my PukeCast fam? Hope you guys having a puking good day. And as always, welcome to the Hot Box Session. I'm Puke, representing the Rock Radio family. Our mission is simple, to discuss, you know, the latest NFT project, what's trending, latest insight, from builders, review case study and see, you know what, what is making the NFT market alive. And today, we want to talk about, you know, gaming on AVAX. You know, Avalanche Gaming recently has been in hype. Man, like my, my friend YP, you know, Yellow Panther, it's all about AVAX Gaming, getting me a little bit FOMO. And I told Maeve, you know what, we have to dive down a little bit into, you know, what they are doing, what they are building. So that's good, that's good. All right, so let's get started, mate. Um, you know, I, I feel I like want... before you show him, we, we gotta definitely touch a bit on like he's supposed to be here, but like you know, he just he just dropped us, man. Like, not cool, not cool, not cool. Who, Yellow who? panda, <laughs> <laughs> bro. No, no, no. The, the thing is this: like you know, right now he's on. The, I think it was nine nine p.m. Like just like now, right? Like right now, he's on the plane to go to L.A., bro. Like they have a huge event in L.A. Um, so I, I know it's going to be great. Yeah. And it's all gaming, man. That's how you dropped us, bro. That's how, like, we got to only give him half a shoe, not a full shoe. Just like, he's good. He's amazing. But, you know, he, 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 he didn't. He couldn't. He couldn't. Like, ah. <laughs> I, I, I think for a fact that Blood Loop is going there. So, you know what? Later, we will ask him as well. Okay. 
Maeve, let's let's get the round started. Uh, I'm gonna throw to Potter Fantasy man. The last time you know you you were with us on Spaces, you know we we talk uh, talk tons of stuff, had a lot of laughter, and ever since then, you know you guys went on and built amazing stuff. So tell me, how is the journey so far for for you? Hey guys, yeah, last time it was um, our founder Kase. Um, I'm Amelia, also uh, the co-founder. Just a, like a one-liner about our game is um, we're a creature capture RPG playable as two roles, um, hero and architect. Uh, so we're currently in our closed beta. I think the last time we talked, um, we haven't launched anything. Um, and, you know, the feedback has been overwhelmingly amazing. Uh, and most people who actually joined our beta has just played through all the quests and basically wanting for more. But... Yeah, that's where we are right now. Just going to keep it short for the intro. <laughs> yep, yep. Awesome, awesome. But, you know, uh, I, I think it's been like, what? I think two months since we last spoke. So pretty pretty exciting to, to know, like, you know, in these two months, obviously you guys launch. And I know that, you know, Minting Madness starts in like five days. Mm-hmm. So what is all that about? Yeah, so on uh, May 30th, um, zero at 12 a.m. UTC. This is going to be our first mint. Uh, it's kind of a fun surprise. So um, anyone who mints on our website, 100% will get a beta pass. So for anyone who hasn't been able to snag our beta pass to start the game, you know, this is a great opportunity. And we're doing kind of a, a gotcha thing where um, there is a chance for you to mint a shiny Obsidadil, which is um, from our Borbo collection. Uh, these are creatures that you can level up, battle, and train and game. But shiny Obsidadils are event only, so they're super rare. There's only 40 in total. Um, 20 will be on the Avalanche, Polyg- uh, Avalanche network, and 20 will be on the Polygon network. Um, because we'll be launching on both Avalanche and Polygon. So, yeah, super rare. Uh, we also have a little s- surprise um, as well in case you don't get the shiny Obsidadil. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's the Minting Madness event. We are giving out whitelists. I think we, uh, I don't know if you guys already ran the campaign, but yeah, it, it, we are also giving whitelists in our Discord, so you know, feel free to hop in, say hi, <laughs> see what campaigns are live right now. Puke. You there, but if not, dang, Minting <laughs> Madness. I love it, I love it. I, 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 I saw the, I, I actually tried the game. I, I got the beta pass uh, from, from the previous event. I tried the game and I loved it. The, oh, if you don't know anything about me, one thing is for sure. Besides Azuki, I'm a sucker for pixel art. It's just I, I think I don't know. It's just like a, like my age thing, or it just like it plays into nostalgia. But I love, I love, I love your art. I love how it looked, and uh, we gotta walk around in those circles. I mean, like the whole. I mean, it, it is a uh, it is a monster catch. So, uh, so give give me a second. Puke testing. Alright, I think puke worked. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay. Man, like I. I th- Did, did, did I work? 
No, I think he's rugged. Oh. You're, you're all good. Oh no! <laughs> this, this so, I, oh, okay. But I, let me. I gotta. I gotta drop him a, a text. Uh. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll just like do a more intro, just just in case there's a weird pause. Um. So yeah. I mean, everybody on our team loves like pixel games. You know, we love the old RPG games in like the nine, 1990s and the 2000s, but. You know, we know everyone is familiar with this kind of game mode, but it has been, oh crap, it's been like 20, 30 years you know, since the first, I guess, Pokemon Red and Blue came out. So it was really important for us that we introduced a lot of like modern game mechanics that, you know, meet the nostalgia kind of expectations that I think a lot of people have in our game. <laughs> Milia, could you like could you mind sharing with the audience as well? Like, uh, was it more of like a nostalgia thing when you deciding okay, like I want to bring Pokemon vibes back, or like share a bit on the uh, on that thought process? How how did you you know uh, decide on that? No, I mean, it's okay, guys. We can talk about uh, Portal Fantasy in a bit. I feel like um, I know you guys have a lot of other games on, so, you know, we can come back to, to ours in a bit. I feel kind of bad for taking up so much time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm back. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Uh, yeah, you're good. Awesome, awesome. All right, yes. Let's 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 uh, change it up, you know. No, no worries. Uh, you know, we're going to switch it up and then later come back to, you know, handle some of the main topics that we want to talk about. But before that, you know, let's go on to Bloodloop. Uh, I know that you guys have like, you know, you've been posting about crazy events uh, from the Avalanche Summit. Uh, right now, I think you guys are also going to, you know, 3XP. So tell me more about like this in real life events because I see, you know, tons of people being there, playing the game. Sounds loads of fun, man. I I can't hear anything. I don't know. Is it is it me or is the is this the awkward pause that we were fearing? This is No, I think that's just you. I, I can hear I can hear just fine. Oh I'm uh tech, sorry everyone, technical issues. Let me uh give me a second. Oh we we uh so we we're, we're gonna rehost again. Because I think uh puke slang just isn't working. So oh, this is this is difficult. Yeah, okay. Sorry guys. Sorry guys. Sorry guys. Back at it. Uh just just in the meantime solving a lot. Yeah, so I think Pip was talking about the uh the, the AVEX event. So uh so, so he mentioned someone was heading over there. Was it? Was it? No? Was it Fable Bond that was heading over? Um 
I think yes. Yeah, we will be at at uh, the summit for sure. But uh, that's yeah. I, I I won't be there, so I I don't know quite what the what the plan is, but um, what the plan was. Uh, so can't really talk about that. Uh, I'm just one of the lonely lonely game designers working on on the game. Um, but yeah, are we are we like rehosting? No, no, or are we just uh, just gonna here? go with it. Then uh, we're just gonna bring in the the other account. Then uh, Puk will speak from there. Uh, tell me a bit more about the favorite bond, man. Like, uh, how, how close is uh, the the playtest coming out? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Like, also super hype for the space. Love the energy. Um, the uh, yeah, I'm I'm Christopher. I'm like I said, the game designer or one of the game designers at Pixion. And Fableborn is like a, a mid-core mobile ARPG like strategy hybrid. So I think Diablo meets Clash of Clans, and I think we've been we've been iterating on the game for about two years now, uh, a little bit longer maybe even. And the past few months we had we had a couple of play tests, which yeah, overwhelmingly positive. The feedback, which is super great, but also concerning because we then then don't really know what to fix, or you know, I mean, we don't find like the super obvious issues. It seems like a, a good problem to have. Um, but yeah, lots of dedicated community members that give us a ton of good feedback. Like I don't know, and we we get a lot of data from that as well. So seeing where people spend their resources and how to how to adapt to that. Like shifting the balance, or you know, changing the tutorial based on the feedback or the pacing. Like to me, that's that's almost like a having another designer in the team, right? The the community feedback, especially if it's well written and well thought through, and there's so much good stuff there. So, yeah, great great fun. Like uh, the latest playtest, and we we plan to do a lot more of them in the future months, just to to get more feedback and to. Uh, understand what the community wants and where the game should be be headed. So join join the playtest and give us some feedback. We love love, it. love to hear that, man. Um, so w- when it comes to playtesting, do uh, is there usually like a, like a bounty? Like a, I, I know that obviously like hackathons are around. Obviously it's not hackathon because like this is playtesting and all. Do you like a reward uh, like best playtesters? Is is there such a thing, or you know? <laughs> <laughs> So it's it's not like we're rewarding the best playtesters or anything, but like we we will be more focused on, or we we do create a, a more competitive game in the future, or at least that's the focus, right? And therefore, there will be more competitive elements to the playtest in the future, like leaderboards and things like that. And you know, based on that, there might be even even rewards, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but we we value like every playtester really that joins our our. Um, our tests and gives us feedback because it, it really helps us a lot. And there's also, I'm not sure about potential rewards there that I can't talk about that since that's like community management part, but I'm sure that they will make it worth your while. In a oh way. man. I mean, like when you talk about rewards and uh, things that you cannot say, it's just kind of like what me and people is like the last But okay, we, we, we will slowly get there. We'll slowly get there. You know, I mean, it's not for me, but yeah, we, we got time. We got time. <laughs> Yo, yo, yo. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Are you back, sir? Uh, I'm back. I'm back, man. Screw the Wi-Fi. That's it. You know, I'm going all data. Uh, I'm going to just leave my phone there, not touching it, so the space won't be rocked. But you know what? Thank God we have, like, you know, the company account. And so I'm back. 
I'm back, Maeve. Not to worry. I'm not going to leave you behind because, man, like, I was so devastated just now, man, like, because I want to know all about Apex Gaming. All right. So we have Faberborn, and I just want to know, like, you, you talk about just now the close play, uh, play test tree, right? Um, tell me, like, you know, with this whole play test, what was, like, the good outcome and, like, the negative outcome that you received from this, this whole trial run? Can you say the last piece again, the negative outcome of the try run? Uh, so, so like, you know, what's the good outcome and the bad outcome that you experience in, in this whole try run? Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. So, I mean, the good outcome is just the overall feedback, I suppose, of, of us understanding what people want and need, like the, the general feedback. And there's a ton of feedback that is very similar and that always gives us a good indicator of, you know, future features or also very really obvious issues um for example like the the tutorial that we had in the current version is was really lacking in the sense that it was maybe triggered in the wrong times or that the quality was bad and for some people so we will we'll be totally replacing that with a with a new version of it and that would hopefully be like way way better and way more better perceived um and that's like the, the perfect outcome, right? The, the bad outcome is obviously that it's a ton of work and it's lost on development, but it also benefits development in, in so many other ways that it's, um, it's invaluable to, to honestly. Yes, you can't, you can't develop when you evaluate feedback or when you set up questionnaires or when you create um, Discord events or things like that, but it's always worth the time, definitely. Yeah, 100%. So uh, before we change on to the next speaker, I just want to touch down a little bit on this thing that you guys created. Uh, it was called the Creator Bounty, right? So tell me more about it because I feel like, you know, right now for a game to grow, obviously you have like, for example, you know, the framing meta to get people to try the game, um, you know, demo testing and stuff like that. But another way of getting audience or traffic is always about, you know, the creators or the gamer itself uh, you know, keep on generating new user-generated content for the game, make it fun, make it interesting, and then hopefully hook more people in. So tell me about this program that you guys created. Yeah, like, I think I'm not the perfect person to talk about it, but generally speaking, we, we obviously need to onboard creators, right, to, to really in communities, and not just, just not just single creators, but really entire DAOs that we are trying to target to to yeah get accepted to to participate and create content for us and we've seen a bunch of really fun treats already that i i think are hilarious um but yeah it's incentivizing content creation in the end to maximize like marketing efforts because we are we are not like a huge company and have millions to spend right but we we do need dedicated people and it's it's very similar to small companies competing on like the global market with with larger companies in terms of marketing it's it's just really hard and you have to find like a, a fun niche to yeah to generate content and hype and that's that's what we do and aim to over the creator program where people or where creators creators get rewarded basically by by uh adding to the community in a sense and our next program is opening soon so definitely watch the announcement if you are a creator if you're interested in creation or in creating for Fableborn and and then or with Fableborn, uh, definitely give it a look. 
Awesome, awesome. All right, let's shift it over to Blood Loop. I, I think, you know, I asked um, a couple of questions uh, regarding to Avalanche Summit and I really want to know, you know, what really went down because like based on the picture, it's getting me FOMO. So, Blood Loop, you are ready. You are, you hop back on spaces. Uh, tell me, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, guys. Thank you very much for having me here. I love this space, love the vibes and I really think this should keep up in the long term. Uh, generally speaking, the, the event was insane. So it was our first public playtest where we presented the demo of our game. Just to get everyone on board, if you don't know what Bloodloop is doing, we're building a hero shooter 5 versus 5 game, uh, which is somewhere similar if I had to make a comparison, although I hate making it because we are not just building a Web3 version of, but it's a, it's a middle point if you think of games like Valorant and, and Overwatch. So imagine a middle point, Bloodloop will be, will be there as a, as a game. Uh, Avalabs invited us to present the game at the game test area where many of you guys were there with, with your projects and big shout out to everyone who, who presented their demo. A lot of very awesome games and very cool gameplays that I've tested out. And yeah, the, the experience was insane. We got a lot of positive feedbacks, players coming back all the time to play the game. And probably the best part was people swearing at the game, like cursing the game out because they, they died. So you really know that people are having fun if you're doing that. So yeah, it was an insane experience. You know that when they are swearing and cursing, bro, means they are really into the game. Exactly, right? exactly. That's- that's a good indicator. What's your feeling, man? Like, you know, launching a game and like, you know, getting it public, seeing like, you know, people really enjoy it or, you know, give people after playing, giving you the feedback. How was that whole experience for you? Man? So the, the actual feeling that I had is that people are converting more and more over the, the idea of gaming as an important vertical of blockchain. So when we started, we started building Bloodloop uh, in 2021, which is basically two years ago from, from, from now. Um, of course, two years ago, we were just in pre-production of the game. But the feeling of, of gaming was very, very kind of, uh, you know, people weren't really thinking about blockchain gaming as, a, as something that could work. They were more looking into the play-to-earn stuff, you know, uh, how can I earn from this? How can I make money from this? This time, the feeling that we had when players came to the game, started playing, but not, not just with us in general, was that they were there for the gameplay. Like, they understood that blockchain is a feature rather than a genre. They understood that crypto is just an, a, a feature ad, it's just a value ad rather than something you should uh, be doing uh, as, as a full-time job playing the game. And, you know, the general feeling was very, very good. Like, we, are, we got very optimistic after, after the first playtest. And we're also happy to announce, as you can see tagged in the, in the profile, that we will be going at 3XP in, in Los Angeles. Uh, I don't know if any of you will be there, but we will be in Los Angeles in a couple of weeks from now. Uh, on the background, can you can you hear me? Yes, you can. Okay, sorry. Uh, we'll be hosted from Avalabs at their at their booth, and we will have another playtest area there. So if you are shot, if you are coming by the Los Angeles event, please come by, come come chat with us. You'll be able to play. We'll have new heroes, new characters. So it will be a experience awesome man like i i have one friend from malaysia who is uh, going to the 3xp event in la so you know I, i'm definitely gonna hear tons of story from, from him but uh besides that like you know the whole event um the avalanche summit right like how many people like actually attend not not builders but like you know active players that you know attend the event um is, is it how, how big is the event 
So as for the summit, I believe we were about 3,000 people, although most of them were builders, uh, which of course uh, makes you understand that they were very interested into the game, but many of them were interested about the, 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 the game as, as, as for how we were building it, uh, partnership, uh, infrastructure, and many other things. 3XP will be about the same size, it's probably a bit more. Uh, it will be hosted at the Pasadena Convention Center, uh, which is a very, very big uh, facility for this type of event. Uh, we are expecting at least three to 4,000 people, and it will be mainly gaming-related. So it will be a very, very important event for Web3 Gaming in general this year. We expect to meet with a lot of content creators, and we have a very important meetup to do there. So I, I'm going to spoil a little thing here, just some alpha. Um, thanks to our middle ground connection, uh, we were able to establish what will be probably one of the first Web3 partnership with ESL, the Esports League. Um, we're looking forward to having them as one of our active uh, partners. It still needs to be confirmed, but they will be playtesting the game there and then moving on to the next phase of the coll this collaboration. So what we're doing with... Uh, the yeah. Bro, bro, the, the whole summit and going to 3XP definitely hype you up and make yourself even formal, bro. Like, you, you come here just the first time and then you just building alpha. Like, I, I love your vibe, brother. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> now, we, awesome. you know, what, what, we, what we are looking forward is, is doing something different. So everyone is, is building in Web3, but everyone is just talking to Web3 currently, even the biggest games. Uh, then there are a lot of great games, even on Avalanche, like, take Sharpnel, it's insanely good in terms of graphics, gameplay, the idea behind the game was, it is fire but they're still talking to a Web3 public, and it's an eco bubble honestly, we are just, you know, there's not much people in Web3, we want to approach it differently, even our content and marketing strategy, instead of going for a free, of course we are soon having a free mint on Avalanche for people to close, to test the game in close beta, uh, and will be shortly announced. We're launching through JoePags. We will be free minting an NFT and playing the game. But even generally as player acquisition, we are challenging new um, media outlets, which are TikTok, Instagram Reels, which really lets you... Um, uh, that lets your game basically it gives the, your game the opportunity to be found by true gamers, and then we just need to onboard them in a seamless way. So we onboard them through a website to, to mint with a custom created wallet on our gasless subnet. They don't have to do anything with blockchain, they just pre register, get their NFT, and play the game. We want to bring new players, stop targeting the Web3 users. That's why we're looking for this big partnership. Awesome, man. Awesome. All right. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more after this, but let's move on to Heroes of NFT. You know, you guys coined as the first card game on Avalanche. So, like, tell me more about it. Like, how is the card game scene in AVEX? I think, you know, the first, like, so far I did, like, you know, spaces with two different card game projects. It's always on EVE, uh, on Immutable. So, on AVEX, you know, how is the scene or market for this kind of uh, game? Me, my buddy. <laughs> God damn, man. What is happening today? Fucking Elon uh, Twitter team, please do something, motherfucker. Uh, okay, okay. I I'll send them. Uh, I I'm sending already, people. I I've sent to uh, almost everyone. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So sorry, guys. I, I want to say it's your fault, but like we, we know it's definitely not your fault, man. There's only one person to blame. <laughs> Uh, well, it might be my fault. Uh, who knows? But 
yeah, shit. I don't know, man. Like, it's the connection, it's the stuff. It's, it's everything, dude. It's everything. It's just like, everything's just like fucking noodles right now. Like, what the fuck? Can you hear me, guys? Yep, can hear you, bro. Loud and clear. Bro, yesterday, Elon Musk is like, like eight times, man. God damn. Yeah. At one point, there were like one million people live in the spaces and it like. Oh my god. This uh, this technical issue, man. Sometimes it just really, really gets to you. But phew, well, in the meantime, can you hear me, guy? Yes. Hey, man. Hey, man. Uh, yeah. Can you hear you? Yeah. yeah, I can hear. You. Okay, we are back, guys. We are back. So sorry about this, but hey, man. Like you know what? You guys are still here. Let's continue the discussion because, like you know, it is. Almost getting to the juicy part, Maeve. Like, you know, we just kick-started. We just warm up and shit happens. But you know there's what? Let's of, do it. There's, there's so much I want to ask, man. Like, goddamn. <laughs> I, I didn't even finish my question. Okay, okay. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Woo-hoo! Yeah. We have heroes of life or heroes of NFTs. And, uh, you know, I just want to talk to you more about, like, you know, collectible cards on Avalanche. And then you guys coined, like, the first ever. So let me know, like, you know, how is it, um, you know, building on Avalanche, bro? Yeah. Th- by the way, thanks for the invite, first of all. Actually, uh, let me briefly introduce what is Heroes of NFT all about. So if anyone knows nothing about Heroes of MT, can have a clear understanding. As you said, we are the first collectible card game on Avalanche, and we have been in the ecosystem around two years, and we have raised $3 million last year as an investment. And actually, the game is very basic. You are buying NFT cards, and you are creating your deck and playing it against your opponent. And it is basically like that. And actually, what I can say is that... uh, Currently, we are in the beta uh, testnet version. Uh, our team is testing the uh, game itself. And after that, we will have our uh, public testnet for everyone who wants to join. And then I believe around two or three months later, from now on, uh, we will release the product. And actually, we are very excited for it because currently, <clears throat> gaming on Avax is hot. and Gamers are just coming to the ecosystem. And when we are ready to release the game, we are, let's say, kind of excited for the community reaction. Ooh, I'm excited, man. So, 3 million last year. Cut yeah. And... Go ahead, man. Uh, and also, we have sold around 60k NFTs. So, I believe it is one of the biggest one in the Avalanche ecosystem. All right, all right, all right. That, that's that's a lot, man. That's a lot. But because uh, like uh, I I actually played uh, Magic Gathering, if you know that card game. So like I have a little bit of experience in uh, TCGs, man. Uh, that's a. Uh, I'm a law person. I love law. I love like how characters are designed. Uh, tell me a bit more about that, man. Like uh, how 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 did you? What's your thought process behind? How'd you go about that? Uh, do you mean the art? I couldn't understand clearly. Yep, yep, like how you design your characters. Yeah, yeah, okay. Actually, the art part is, I think, one of the biggest and most difficult one. I think everyone will agree about that because uh, you need to have a kind of game design, game art that attracts users, uh, make them stay in the game, and let's say 
attract them to play the game more. And actually, it is one of the things that as Heroes of Winter we are focusing on. And we have a dedicated team of art development team that they are building or they are developing the art. And actually, uh, for the last two years, I think we have spent too much time and too much resources to have the best uh, art design that any Web3 game ever has. And I think we are very good at it on that. And actually, we are going to release, a, let's say, a thread or let's say a, a content to compare and show our art development from the beginning to the until now. So I think uh, we have made huge development on that side. And actually, it is one of the things that differentiates one from its competitors, I can say. Damn, yeah. I love... Oh. <laughs> yeah right so, so i just want to say like you know when when you build a card game i, I mean it, it kind of like varies from like different games right for example you know first person shooter because hey like the game mechanics itself you know it will be tricky right so like how do you plan to go about like you know in terms of like releasing new characters new cards and i saw like you guys also like tease a few pictures with like physical cards so tell me more about it bro yeah, actually, physical cards are just for uh, Avalanche in Avalanche Summit that we distribute. Uh, they don't have any use in the game itself, but we just want card games. For example, I am a huge card game player from uh, my childhood, and I always played card games. So we just wanted to uh, print some cards and share it on uh, Avalanche Summit. But uh, for the game itself, we have actually 20 characters. And every one of them has their different backgrounds that impacts the game itself. Because, for example, if you have a specific character which comes from a specific background, it has a different power than the other one. So it is also a very important one. For example, I can just share a character that has a, that we share its background. Let me just find it. How can I do that? Huh. Yeah, so I think it is important because... Card games needs to have, uh, let's say, have a good story background and have a good art design because it is not FPS game that users are focusing on the, let's say, shooting the enemy. But you need to have a good art design that attracts users because uh, it is what they are looking for. So it needs to be way, way better than compared to other game uh, types. Yeah, yeah, 100% man. Like, all right, so before we dive down a little bit more, let's give it to our last speaker here. And then, you know what? We can just chime in with all the topics or questions that we have. Uh, Parser NFT, how are you doing? You know, we, we saved the last, uh, the best for the last because, hey man, you know, white labeling games, I mean, that re is a massive market. So, first off, how are you doing, buddy? Yeah, hey guys, um, thanks for having us on. It is definitely an undertaking, um, if I say so myself. Um, I think, you know, in order to get a, a picture of how we got here, I'll just give a little bit of our backstory. Um, so essentially, like two years ago, uh, and it sounds like a lot of people in this space started off two years ago, so it's cool. But two years ago, we started building out like um, a secondary marketplace aggregator of virtual real estate because that seemed to be the asset that was you know popular at the time and then of course we plan to expand into in-game assets as the space started growing and more you know 
serious games started to emerge. And then what we saw is that other marketplaces weren't building specifically or optimizing for games and gamers, which was a huge point because, you know, a game doesn't want to send somebody to something that looks like eBay, right? If you're breaking the user retention, let's say, by sending them out of your platform, you want to send them somewhere that makes sense. So we started building our marketplace in a way that actually appealed to gamers and, you know, what they're used to instead of sending them to like a foreign experience. And then from there, games started coming to us because we were super into user research. So we would always talk to them and then they were like, you know what, with everything that's happening with like fees on other marketplaces and not being able to control our own experience, like, can we host this in our own platform and own that marketplace experience? And so at that point, our tech was pretty built out. And so we repositioned essentially from B2C to B2B. And now we opened up our API endpoints and we actually provide that white label marketplace solution to games so that they can essentially, you know, profit and own their revenue from controlling the fees, but then also own the marketplace experience in terms of not having to send users out of their platform and, and being able to have like a customized marketplace in their game. So that is sort of the quick version of what we do. And we kind of just bundle it up in a way where we say that, you know, Parcel is essentially like a Shopify for Web3 gaming, if you want just a little palatable line. But yeah, we, um, you know, we're super focused on aggregating the secondary NFT market. Nobody else is really doing that right now. Um, and we're exclusively focused on marketplace infrastructure for gaming, um, because we say, you know, if you're going to build for games, focus on building for games and don't try to do everything at once, like, um, you know, more holistically, just because if you're building for a game, again, I'll keep saying this, like, you need to optimize for games and gamers. Yep. I, I love it. I love it. Uh, I have so tons of questions, man. Like, sure. first, first off, so... Um, is there any like uh, current game that is already being white labeled out? Uh, and is like, is it specific to like you know, for example, the main game is hosted on Avalanche, so you have to kind of like white label on Avalanche, or it's like uh, any chain that you want? Sure, sure. Um, I'll start off with the second half of the question just because it kind of leads in to the to the first half. Um. So what we did is we already have been indexing essentially like the major EVM compatible chains. And then we realized that in our opinion, at least, and I know that people might disagree with this, but the super strong games that we've seen come up that are both like fun to play, but robust in their technology and also just robust in like the graphics and the marketing and everything. Um, they're building on like Avalanche, Polygon, Immutable, um, and of course, there are good games on other chains, but that's kind of where we're hyper-focused right now, at least. And so we're not necessarily building on, let's say, Avalanche, but what we're doing is we work very closely with, you know, their chains, let's say, like C-Chain right now, and also subnets as games start adopting subnets even more. But what we do is we index the chains, and so that is a whole feat in itself. And so the point with this is we're indexing all the chains, and then we essentially put those through into our marketplace. And um, what what we do there is we remove the need for games to actually build that themselves, right? Because right now games have to focus on actually building their games and going to market. And so what we do with that is we help them go to market a lot faster and remove a lot of the technicalities that come along with that, right? Like um, 
like we can help out with not only the literal white label solution, but we help out with features like wallet solutions and um, like, let's say we also can show like data, in-game data on the NFT cards, which gamers really like. Um, we're going to have like social logins, sharp, a shopping cart. And so we're, pro- we're trying to provide an experience that, you know, feels normal, let's say. Um, and so in terms of that, we're also, yeah, we're working with a lot of games right now that are in the pipeline and are going live. Um, I'm not exactly sure if I'm allowed to say, you know, who, who is, uh, going live right now. Um, yes, you are. Yes, you are. You are. Yes, you are. <laughs> you are. I, I, I got the proof of your, your, your boss to say that you can yeah, you know, yeah. release it. We've got some folks from my team actually uh, in the chat right now, so I'm, I'll get a DM momentarily letting me know. Um, but yeah, I'll, what I will say is that even one of the games that is ho- is speaking in this chat right now, we're working very closely with them to launch their marketplace in, in a month. Um, so yeah, that's, awesome. that's pretty cool. So, so like you know, in a month, and then you, you guys have been launching. So it's your, I mean, in terms of like you know, inquiries and stuff like that, is it flooding your inbox right now? So it's great. So essentially, what it is is at first we were you know having to do the outreach, and then as things picked up and we got validity across when when people started hearing that they're friend. Essentially, in the space, also it's like if there's a good game that's building a lot of times they're friends with like other good games that are building. So that credibility has been really helpful with us in terms of just word of mouth um, from going also to the conferences. And then what I'll add in real quick is that we sort of have like three tiers um, and it all depends on how engineering a game's engineers want to be. So it's like one is we provide access to our API endpoints and then they can just plug that in to their marketplace experience and then, you know, build that out themselves. Two is we have this like SDK and UI kit, which is sort of the middle ground. And then three, which is where we're seeing most people leaning towards is the white label solution. So essentially they have to games. I don't want to speak for games, but it's just the way that I'm seeing it is they have to appeal to the gamers. They have to go to market, but they also have to appeal to investors. And so when you appeal to investors and you're building a game, it's like a lot of investors want to see you go to market real quick and you gain a lot of, you know, active users real quick. But when you're a game and you're trying to build something that's robust, like, you know, focusing on the bigger picture is always what's great. And so what we do there is we, we essentially really just try to help games focus on that bigger picture and let us bring you guys like to market and get you revenue as fast as possible through the white label solution. And what's cool with us is that, you know, something that we think is like, of course, we're not going to tell games um, what fee they should take from, you know, the marketplace. They get to decide what fee they're going to take. And we feel like that's totally their decision, right? Like they own the game. We're just helping them bring the game's assets to their users in a way that makes sense. And so I think that's also something that sets us apart from other marketplaces. And to us, it seems like it's something that's super intuitive. Um, But, you know, sadly, other marketplaces and solutions aren't necessarily looking at it that way. Oh, I think I might have lost you guys. 
Nope, nope. Oh, okay. What's up, bro? Hello, can you hear me? Yep. Yep, yep. Okay, yep. Uh, <laughs> bro, bro, what's, what's your question, man? Like, you are my co-host, bro. So, come on. SDKs and APIs. Oof. It's really techy stuff, man. I'm trying to think of my best. <laughs> no, so so the, the thing is this, like, uh, it's interesting to see, like, white labor and stuff like that. But in terms of, like, you know, how easy is this for people to really just white label a product? Because, like, I mean, like, for example, it's just somebody who, like, has an NFT project, right? And then they want to expand, for example, you know, their collection to a new vertical, just say a, a gaming aspect of it. And then they see the game that they like, they want to white label it. How is it? How easy it is for them, uh, you know, if, for example, you know, they are not devs, they don't have experience in, in handling gaming, is it as, as simple as, you know, just a basic setup or, you know, there's a lot of tons yeah. of, like, you know, dev work involved as much? So that's, that, I think that's a perfect question. And so essentially, that's the whole point of this. If, if they want to really not have to deal with that, like, engineering side, um, to a large extent, then they would choose the white label offering. And then what we do is all that we need is actually your smart contract addresses so that we can, you know, populate the marketplace and aggregate everything properly. And then what we need to do is figure out, okay, so w- what do you want the UI and UX to look like? Um, and then our team essentially takes it from there and has, you know, we have a, uh, more of like a BD discussion with them at first just to figure out everything that they need. And then we have a call between our tech team and their team. Um, but to your point, if, if they don't possess the, the engineering power to integrate this themselves and to build it out themselves, like we, we provide that from our side. Did, did you mention that uh, you, you'll be going cross-chain by any chance or like, you know, AVEX, uh, AVEX is just, you know, more, more than sufficient for now? Totally. Like, um, we... Yeah, so we, we are already on a bunch of chains. Um, we support Avalanche, we support Polygon, we support Immutable. And, you know, at first we were expanding, expanding, expanding. And then now we're seeing that you know, those are where the strongest games that we have come across are, like our building. Um, so whether that's like Avalanche Sea Chain or when a game is building their own subnets, but um, those are the three that we're focused on right now and we currently have them live. Um, so we can support games that have collections on all of those. And what's cool is, um, you know, Portal Fantasy was saying that they've got a collection on Avalanche and they're going on, on Polygon. And, you know, we support things like that as well. So you, even if you have collections on multiple blockchains, we're, we're able to support that. Awesome, awesome. All right, let's, let's shift, um, you know, the, the speakers. I know for a fact that uh, Faber Bond, you know, you guys have a meeting in, in, in like a few minutes time. So Locke, I'm going to circle back to you because like, I know, you know, you guys are doing actively, you know, tons of stuff. And uh, so you were telling me that you are handling more towards like the game dev side. Am I right? Oh, not the dev. No, no, the, the, the design side. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much right. it. 
yeah, yeah. So, so tell me more, like you know, in, in terms of like the design part of it, like you know, when when you launch a game, um, you know, in terms of design, I, I assume that you know, design never stops, right? It's gonna be you know more design, more stuff. So, how do you guys come up with it? You know, is it based on like a lore that that you guys have created? You know, like a big lore, and then you slowly, you know, just do the design, or it's actually from you? Tell me more about that process, bro. Yeah, for sure. Like the the creative process, like for us, obviously we we want to have a good core loop, right? That's that's key to every successful long term game. That is, you know, a, a good core loop and well layered progression to have like a really long lasting game. But every game needs needs content updates, right? To keep the game fresh, to change the meta, things like that. And therefore, we we need a good pipeline and a good process to to create that content. And for us. Um, for example, like one piece of content, we've got lots, but heroes are like a big part of what Fableborn will be, right? You controlling heroes to raid other bases and defeat their defenses, basically. And there's heroes, there's defenses, there's like monsters and towers and potentially traps and different islands and biomes and so much content to design. But if we just focus on the heroes, for example, we we create we we are creating a model right now. We are optimizing a model rather. That we we are borrowing from Riot, um, Riot Games, and using their hero content pipeline, where where we have basically three parts. That's like design, narrative, and art that come together to to create those characters and bring them to life. Really, previously we just went like top down from design and created characters that were alright, but you know it didn't feel as holistic and encompassing as it could have been. And I think by just adding like those three core pillars together and making character visions based on the narration that we obviously also have, right? There's a big backstory to like the entire game and the world and the ecosystem we're building, but also like the art part and their creative input is like super invaluable. Um, and if you if you combine those three things and then uh, go through different gates, that's what we do. Like we define different um, tasks that we have to do in order to fulfill a gate. And then it goes from discovery, where that's a phase where basically characters are envisioned, I suppose, by can be envisioned by anybody, and you know whatever sparks an interest in the team will be pursued more. Um, the basic ground ground pillars are laid out for the character. What should they be? How should they look like? How should they play? What's the what's the pattern we want them? What abilities should they get? And all that stuff. Um, and then that's but very surface level. And then we go into ideation if we are cool with this character where more things get fleshed out, like we start to implement a prototype of the character, we start to see the first uh, 2D art pieces of it, and then we go further into pre-production when we are like confident with the character, where we just have to plan implementation, and then we go into production where basically everything gets implemented. And that's between those steps, there's obviously a lot of iteration, but that's the entire like pipeline process that we are mapped out for us that, that seem to work fine for us, at least for now. Yeah, but the, I, I mean, I'm curious, uh, you know, when you develop a character, like how, how do you guys know that, you know, that the direction that you guys are taking is the right one? Oh, well, that's a, that's a perfect question. Like we don't, <laughs> that's, that's the, that's right? the short I, I feel like, you know, there are tons of, you know, different creative minds, different direction. I believe like, you know, you always have like different concepts uh, compared to your peers so what is that you know game process or that mindset that say hey you know what 
let's collectively say we're going to go with A instead of B. Like, how do you come up with that kind of decision? Because in-game, I mean, every design, you know, looks, outlooks, game, weapon, everything, it's so critical, right? Yeah, it's such a good question. Like, the what, what we are doing, like, in, in our space, we start from, like, every angle, right? We are looking, like, the art team can look at what do we think is currently missing in the game, what is underrepresented, for example. In game design, we understand, like, maybe we need a certain mechanic, and that could be a point of, like, where we start a character. But in reality, like, there's multiple characters that are floating around all the time, and whatever really is, like, the rule of cool, right? Whatever is the coolest, we can mold into what we want it to be in the end, like, what, what is missing. In the end, like, to, to make a decision confidently, that something is good and better than something else, we, you always have to, to implement and to see it and, and feel it first. And then that's why we like, put a lot of value on iterative playtesting. Like you, you build something, you playtest it really fast, like quick and dirty within like a week or something. And then you can say confidently, okay, this doesn't work because, and then you either rework it or you go to the next concept that is maybe the next interesting thing that people would like and put the first thing on in the icebox, that's what we call it. And then leave it there for a while and maybe come back to it or extract a mechanic from it or a visual concept or a piece of narration. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah totally, man. I, I love the answer. Put it in the icebox. And then, you know, if you think about it, then maybe we can revisit it. Okay, okay. That is a good one. Uh, Maeve, you're telling me that, you know, we're going to move on to uh, Heroes of NFT, right? Yeah, because uh, I think the, the topic you talked about was uh, really interesting because um like i well i guess like i have some uh i have some experience with games uh heroes of empty my man um when it, when it comes to card games right i know that like every meta shift is uh, obviously that, that that's how the game progresses how do you uh you know like decide on uh the next meta is it based on like limitations or you do it based on uh, additions uh can, can you clarify the question because by uh with me, meta what do you mean like couldn't clearly understand sure man no problem so like uh i, I guess like uh especially card games or even uh i guess like 5v5 games there's usually like a like a, a couple of strategies that players would obviously use more often right because they are like the winning strategies then uh at each patch or each update there's probably some i will, uh, i guess like the team would decide okay this is too much too too overpowered or op as you say and then they will either nerf it. So like some developers, I know they nerf it. Some developers, they, they prefer to like add in new things on top of it. Yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, actually, uh, we call them uh, Fate Crushers. Uh, they are like skills that you can buy it. It is not like coming with uh, just creating your account or just, let's say, having a card. But it is something that uh, you need to uh, buy it or earn it while I play the game. So they are like, uh, in every game, uh, you have your cards and you have your fate crushers that you can use strategically. And these are something that makes the game, I think, very competitive and challenging because uh, in card games, I think you also know that you need to develop a strategy to uh, beat your enemy or opponent because 
it is not enough to have the better cards because uh, if you do not play it strategically, you will lose. And actually, in Heroes of NFT, our aim is to make Fate Crushers are, uh, or let's say the metas that you are mentioning, are the backbone of the game because the game needs to be unpredictable. The game needs to be, let's say, competitive for everyone from uh, uh, the lower tier players and to the higher tier players. So I think. <clears throat> This is something that heroes of, as heroes of fate we are focusing heavily. Uh, we have we will have several fate crushers that people can buy or earn and to use it uh, to beat enemies. And I think in the near future we are also going to release some of them to show people how they can use it, how uh, they can leverage them. And so <clears throat> I think this is something that is uh, that excites me most because we have just uh, tested them within the team. And what makes them unique is that you cannot just predict what is the next move. So it changed the game uh, results dramatically. So I am very excited for them. Fate crashes, man. Fate crashes. All right, before I get into the serious crashes, so like... Uh... Is there like a bit of alpha? Like, when is this gonna happen? Or this is already like a community known thing? <laughs> yeah, actually, it's kind of known by our community, but we don't talk them uh, too much because uh, not all of the fate crushers are ready yet. But I think we need to share more alpha, and I think when we release it, I will share it before anyone knows to you. <laughs> Oh whoa whoa whoa! Pube, did you hear that? I, I just I yeah just, <laughs> yeah you got you got my word <laughs> you got my word. We've made this days, man. Like every time when you talk about card games, he you know he you know he's from like Magic the Gathering. You got his nerves up, man. Like I I have to know, you know, I'm always. Uh, you know, very invested in how uh, card games are formed because in terms of like lore is complicated, right? Uh, different characters, you know, you have to keep on releasing characters, releasing stuff, uh, game mechanics and stuff. I mean, it's it's kind of like super complex. So tell me more, like, you know, in, in the background, uh, you know, be, before this, like what you guys were working on and, you know, how does it came about and say, hey, you know what, let's do a Web3 uh, card trading game. Oh, yeah, actually, that's a good question. Actually, uh, I am not the founder, and th we have four founders who are, let's say, addicted to card games itself, and they have also developed different game projects before launching Heroes of NFT. Even though I am a, also a card addict, uh, addicted, and I just usually play football card uh, trading cards. I don't know if you remember them, but in my childhood, I have played them frequently. And actually for the team itself, for the founders itself, uh, they have played Hearthstone very frequently. And they just thought that why we can't just create a Web3 game that utilizes NFTs and make a better experience. And so here we have Heroes of NFT right now. Awesome, awesome. Maeve, Hardstorm, you play it again, right? Like, bro, you and Maeve can be like good friends, good buddies, that's it. Ooh, I just yeah. heard like four people, <laughs> four founders that play cards. This guy also has got some experience. I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like the vibe with you guys. Just, just putting out that, man. Like, you know, I'm a bit of a, a nerd myself, but like, ah. Love it, love it. You gotta, man, man, you gotta try it. You gotta try it out of NFT, bro. Like, that's it. You're gonna try it out. And uh, who knows? Like, the next time you'll be playing it when I meet you, bro. Oh, for sure, man. I already heard fake crushes, man. 
Uh, so <laughs> to touch a bit on the uh, fake fake crushes, fake crushes, right? So how? Oh, so is it like uh, every season kind of thing you're gonna refresh, or like have you have you decided on that, or like you're not, you're at the stage of like you know uh, working out uh, I guess like game mechanic tweaks? Where where are you at on that right now? Uh, actually, uh, there will be different tournaments, and that it is not they are not seasons, but there there will be tournaments that people are just going to attend and play the game. And also, uh, we just, let's say, want our card game to be playable on mobile. So when you have just a quick time for a five minutes, 10 minutes, you can just open the game and play, uh, find the enemy opponent and play the game. So it is not like a seasonal thing, but it is like there will be tournaments and there will be, let's say, match that you want to just have a van match and close the game kind of things. Okay, okay. Love it. Love the idea. Casual. Something like uh, uh, Axie's recent uh, thing. Well, obviously, their, their, their game has been up for some time, but like uh, their app store thing, uh, I think, has been doing very well for them in terms of uh, mass adoption, which uh, whom Parcel was talking about earlier. I think like, uh, I guess like, well, not all, but like uh, some game developers, they, they're very focused on building the game, but uh, they, they don't focus on mass adoption. Am I right on this, Pube? And I uh, want to chime in a bit on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, in in terms of like when you when you just launch an NFT, like, I, mean, I mean, you just focus on selling out the NFT, right? But when you have game involved, it's not just selling out. Like you know, you focus on the game has to be good, and then mass adoption, and then game mechanics, and then you just keep growing on and on. Man, like I mean, it, it sounds tiring, bro. Like in terms of building a game, and uh, you guys are crushing on Avalanche. So the last question. Uh, oh, you know, even like, you know, Maeve pin, pin it up, bro. Like, you know, you basically said, I think it was launched in the article and you were like super bullish on, uh, you know, on, on Avex Gaming, right? So show us a little bit, bro. Like, you know, why so bullish? Yeah, actually, first of all, here's we have Coop, so I think he can better answer. But let me uh, just answer from the perspective of Heroes of NFT. Um, we believe that, actually, first of all, uh, we have subnets, right? They are one of the things that it is like app chains that you can build your own dedicated, customizable chain. And I think one of the things for a gaming project is that we are not like a DeFi project. We are not like a NFT project. So we need uh, different requirements. We need uh, different, let's say, uh, things that we need to comprehend. So uh, having a subnet that we can customize is crucial. And also uh, one of the things that the reason, the main reason that we have started on Avalanche is also is that uh, all of our co-founders and including me are, let's say, long-term Avalanche community members. So we know Avax very well. We know the vision. We know the team itself. So uh, when we are, uh, when we have decided to start a game, it's it's going to be on Avalanche. If we have, for example, not a gaming project but DeFi project, it sh- would have been also on Avalanche because we believe in Avalanche. And other than that, uh, I think one of the most important thing that currently we have on Avalanche is that Avax, with the start of this year, has heavily focusing on uh, gaming ecosystem and, let's say, increasing their presence on the gaming community. So it's something that every gaming projects can utilize, can exploit. So as Heroes of NFC, uh, we just want to be a part of Avax journey in gaming ecosystem. And these are the main reasons that we uh, we are bullish on Avalanche. 
Maeve, Maeve, Maeve. Did, did he answer your question, bro? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm a bit <laughs> soft because like, I'm, I'm, I'm taken back right now. I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm just like, Evax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, in, in terms of really good, I, I think pushing out, I, I see a lot of chain doing it, right? Um, You know, gaming on Polygon, gaming on, on stuff like that. But damn, like gaming, I mean, gaming on Evax, um, you know, is pushing way harder compared, like, in, in terms of, like, visibility right now, the, the list of games uh, that is being built on AVAX, uh, the, the list of, you know, even even Magic Eden is actively doing a roundtable gaming talk with AVAX community, right? So we definitely see uh, there's a boom in terms of people using AVAX chain, games are building on top of it, games having, you know, that, that smooth uh, transition and stuff like that. So, I, I mean, like, this is obviously also a good way to onboard more users to AVAX. All right, I'm going to throw it over to Potter Fantasy because, like, you know, we, we have to dive down a little bit more. But before that, you know, I have to ask you, the memes that you posted, you know, your Porter intern, who is that? Is it you, Mila? <laughs> No, unfortunately, it's not us. It's just someone who was really, like, passionate about Portal Fantasy, who, like, read all our lore, read all our webcomic, and then he was just like, please, please let me, please let me make some memes for you. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, it, it got me cracking, man. Like, the one whereby he came over just to pee beside and then just to ask, like, do you play Port of Fantasy? Like, it got me cracked up when I was checking about your project. I mean, like, you know, you guys have a, a lot of fun of, like, you know, content, uh, you know, uh, memes, uh, have fun with it. I, I think, like, you know, that is a good laughter and a good way to kind of, like, bring character to the game, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I know, like, a lot of games out there kind of take themselves a little too seriously. Um, I think as, like, the charm of a pixel game is that the story and narrative is really important. I mean, I think our graphics are amazing. I think our art team is doing a fantastic job. But I think it was really important to us that it was really fun. Um, yeah, I mean, our team is pretty, pretty hilarious. Um, we have a award-winning writer who writes like the most you know just 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 hilarious dialogue in game and you know we're hoping that's going to be a big big appeal for for our players you you have to tell me about this this cute little guy uh you call him that shiny you know that, that shiny porvo is that what he's called yeah that's that, that's that right. crocodile uh, yeah, yeah. What's what's the hype around him? Like, I saw tons of posts, you know, just just showing him like he's there, just chilling, just going up and down. Like, tell me more about him. Yeah, so um, a shiny porble uh, is, is is actually not just like a cute um, porble uh, or or like a really dope looking one. I think we chose the Citadel because we got a lot of feedback from the Avalabs team that like that was their favorite porble, um, but it actually does have uh, utility in-game so they have this thing called majesty which through portable fusion um you're able to kind of you know not only level up its stats but level up its majesty level which then kind of gives you fusion points and makes it um like uses less resources for it to fuse and go on a higher level because um when you fuse and increase the level like the kind of resources would grow exponentially. 
So it kind of helps with, uh, you know, making sure that your portable is having a really good advantage in game. Um, and then when you get to the three star majesty, then it changes color. But for this portable, uh, it's an event portable that this is our first NFT that we're minting. Um, and it comes with a one star majesty. So it's, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty cool thing. Um, I think when people start, we haven't introduced this in our game yet, but I think um, we are kind of introducing new features into our beta, kind of getting feedback, making sure, you know, we're not just making a game that we think is great because everything we make we think is awesome, but to make sure that we're getting, you know, community feedback. Um, we're getting a lot of game researchers who come and play and give us honest feedback. You know, if you have... If you're like, oh, I don't like this part of the game or this doesn't make sense to me, you know, we 100% listen to all your feedback. And I think it's really important um, when developing a game that we're not just creating everything in a silo. Yep, yep. Um, you know, I, I saw this one post uh, when, you know, Kaysay, uh, he, he posted this. And I think it's really in interesting, right? So he said that, you know, your goal is to create beautiful world, intricate puzzles, dynamic quests, blend it seamlessly to allow you to own and trade your accomplishment. So what, what he meant by, you know, allowing you to own and trade your own accomplishment? Is it by the loots? Uh, is it because of the in-game drops, the characters? Uh, what kind of dynamic quest, uh, you know, you can share with us and get us excited for? Well, I think um, when we say, like, trade your accomplishments, so I, mean, I think portables is one of them, um, and then cosmetics. So... With the mint, it kind of comes with like a special like item, but these are the things that you know it's not like you can just pay to come in and suddenly dominate the game. We do have rules on when you can or cannot use them, so it's you know it's 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 definitely something that it's it's not just like a like a like a play to win you have to put in the time you put in a lot of care you have to think about how to fuse your portables because um, in fusion we will have this mechanic where you have to fuse them with certain ingredients so there is a recipe to make sure that you're leveling them up in the best way um, like these are all things to make sure that you uh, you know players come back and enjoy the game and put in a lot of time um, I think the biggest thing with blockchain is that, you know, you've like, like, for example, like World of Warcraft, uh, you've spent thousands of hours when I was in uni, I literally will go to like a net cafe and just play like three days straight after like my exams or something. And then, you know, you'd hone your skills, you collect items, you level up. And then, you know, one day, <laughs> World of Warcraft, I mean, I, I stopped playing in the middle because, you know, adult responsibilities, but you know, suddenly they move to a subscription model or something and you can't even look at your character without having to pay that subscription. And we just didn't want that. You know, even if, you know, you stop playing the game, you're still able to find your achievements, your items, your portables living forever um, on, on the blockchain. Right. So that's that's kind of that's kind of what we what we wanted. Yeah, uh, I think an interesting fact you talk about, you know, game mechanics and stuff like that. So 
you know, um, have like, you know, the, the people that are playing the games, you know, they team up with one another, create like a certain code or a certain way, you know, with calculators and stuff like that to kind of like have the maximized, you know, output in playing the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, our, our game is, we kind of target a couple of uh, players so, you know, obviously the nostalgic gamers. So as you mentioned, like we all grew up with Pokemon and Pixel is something we really, really like. Um, a couple of other uh, people we target are like the, the strategy lovers. So people who are really intense, really competitive. Um, we have a feature coming up, but I can't I can't reveal it just yet that we're going to be testing this starting oh. next month. Really kind of, <laughs> okay. you know, put some fire uh, put some fuel into the competitive spirit, but um, we've got like creative gamers who uh, will be looking forward to the um, architect side, and then social gamers who just you know want to make friends, want to meet people because our game is multiplayer, and I think that's kind of pretty different from a lot of um, RPGs, especially in the creature capture genre, even in like web two. So you know, being being able to like satisfy all these players is something we really, really wanted to achieve, and it's a tough balancing act. But you know, we love the game. We want to just make it as fun as possible. So that's something we really um, put a lot of emphasis on, and our team is just amazing. <laughs> yeah. I felt like yeah, yeah, yeah. let's go back a little bit because I feel like you know the the shiny mechanic is uh, I don't know from the sound of it it sounds uh, sounds pretty new. Is it like you know like really just like team testing right now? Community sort of knows about it because of the memes or you know you know what, what what's what's happening there? Oh yeah, it's kind of um, still on the wraps. Uh, these are just kind of the information we've put out there. This is a new feature. It's not out yet. Um, so with with the Obsidian, you won't be able to like play right away in our beta. Um, it will have to be in full launch. But um, yeah, I mean, kind of a half surprise when you see it in game. I think uh, you know everyone gets really excited on shinies, and every single portal will have a shiny version. But there are going to be very capped and limited, and very 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 difficult to get to the top. Um, but it doesn't obviously, you know stop you from completing your portable index and finding and leveling up your your normal portable team it's just when you get to the top it gives you like this unique colorization um and it's like the ultimate treasure right i think we, we... tell me about it when you when you use the word shi- shiny or shi- anything shiny my god i'm like you know especially like i don't know but Asians especially, we like love shiny things, right? We're just like, shiny, shiny Pokemon, shiny anything. Oh, we needed that shiny thing. I even remember the days where like, you know, Hollow- uh, Maybe, maybe. Shiny, shiny and fat Pokemon, bro. <laughs> shiny and fat Pokemon. And, like and fat pixel, characters. Pixel, pixel, bro, bro. Pixel, yeah, bro. fat ah. pixel character. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I think... um. Like, that's literally what I'm most excited about for Pokemon Go is when, like, you were able to capture a shiny. And then I, I would never... Because, you know, you do have, like, a inventory limit. I mean, I, I have this weird thing. I think it must be, like, a like a thing growing up because um, you're there when pay a free to... Sorry, like, play... 
like the um, monetization aspect came in the game, you kind of like set yourself a weird challenge to get like grind and not pay money. It was kind of like a weird like pride thing until you got used to paying. But you know, it was I just had like a full collection of shinies in my um, Pokemon Go. <laughs> so yeah, really excited about this feature. Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. Maeve, let's circle back to Parser, you know, the last speaker here, and then we can wrap up because, man, like, you know, white label on games, I'm bullish, bro. Like, tell tell me more. Uh, Maeve, what, what question you have prepared then? So I think earlier, uh, uh, we, Parser was sharing about cross-chain. I'm just very, very intrigued on this because... I do not know much. Well, I, I, I love the tagline, right? It's just uh, Shopify for games. I'm oh, sorry, for game developers specifically because like the API SDK, but I don't know too much about SDKs. I know how API works. So uh, if, you, if you don't mind, could you give me like a simpler version of what that means? Yeah, sure. Um, of essentially like what the different tiers mean. Right? Yep. Okay. Sure. So the first thing we have is uh, access to API endpoints, which essentially the developers on the other teams would um, just plug in and, and they would um, have the most, I guess, malleability, flexibility in building their own marketplace. Um, I think to your earlier point, you know, the question was, what, what if the game isn't really focused on building that out? What if you know, they don't have the engineering manpower. Um, and that's where things lean towards, like, the white label solution. And so with that white label solution, like I said, it, it's for the marketplace specifically. Um, and what would what the game would have to provide us with for the white label solution, for us to just spin up a white label for them to plug into their platform, is literally just their smart contract addresses, and then we would talk about what they would want the front end to look like. Um, that is really all the game has to do. If, if that's the amount of, you know, energy that they want to expend on this marketplace. And so, you know, I think a lot of times when, like on spaces, you'll hear people talking about Web3 gaming. Um, and they'll say, like, one of the biggest obstacles to mass adoption is... Um, you know, the onboarding and, and the wallets and the user flows and the product. And so I think the way that we think about it is that, you know, these are actually problems that a game shouldn't have to solve. These are problems that infrastructure builders, um, you know, tech builders and software builders, like that's, that's who should be solving this problem and then partner up with the game and provide them the solution in a way that makes sense for the game. And I think that's the most efficient way to actually moving things along in terms of what we call mass adoption, just because this way the game can literally focus on what's important for a game and we can focus on what's important for the tech because otherwise a game has to essentially be two companies in one, which is a game developer and then also like all of this other stuff, which is like the marketplace, the blockchain mechanics, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And so we focus on, you know, what should the user flows look like? Like, what should it look like to kind of extrapolate, um, you know, the wallet onboarding? And so how can we do that through something like a social login and 
you know, how can we integrate fiat ramps, like on ramps and off ramps? Um, and so, yeah, um, you know, happy to take another question about this, but I just think that it, it shouldn't be that everyone puts this like agita on a game to figure out all of these solutions. Um, the way that I see it, at least, is the most efficient way to move forward is just, you know, part- partner with people that actually care about the space and are in the space and show vested interest in expanding the space. I think that's why a lot of games actually choose to build on Avalanche itself, right? Like, there are a lot of chains that offer all of these incentives, right? Like, all of these grants, which is like, okay, come build on us now. And that's because those chains need those games, right? Like, if a, if a chain wants to build out a gaming angle, like, they need the games. Um, but I think that if a game is focused on becoming stronger long-term, Avalanche is a great solution because of, like, the tech, because of, like, the marketing, everything that Coop's doing. Um, so I think that it also, there becomes, like, a little bit of a differentiation between games that are building for, like, short-term wins, maybe, and games that are building to to really go mainstream. And, you know, doesn't matter if that's, like, a mobile game or a casual game or, or a PC game. But, um, yeah, I think just bringing this back to Avalanche for a second, I think that's also a reason why we're seeing so many strong games actually coming to Avalanche and staying on Avalanche, right? Like, Avalanche has built out a brand and, and um, has actual resources, whereas, like, some other chains you might see um, – just offer incentives, but but um, don't offer that holistic bunch as much. Yeah, I love the approach because, like you know, when we look at, for example, NFT brands that all you know in the end saying that you know they they do NFT and then they're gonna launch a game. In the end of the day, like you know, the game is not gonna be you know what people expected. I often see, you know, tons of projects that, you know, say that they want to build a game, spend a lot of money building something, you know, uh, that is not, like, they are not game developers from the start. And then build it all out, you know, after people waiting for, like, such a long time, there's no hype, uh, no money to run the project, and then it's just going to rock the, the whole space, right? But with this solution, it, it gives, like, you know, creators or people, who has a chance to wanting to do it, um, to able to you know implement such uh, such things like this? So tell me more in terms of like you know the adaptability of you know so selling a white label product is already as complicated as it is, but selling a white label product for a Web three gaming you know how complicated it is from like the st- standard traditional markets. Yeah, well, I think from thankfully from being in the space now. Um, for a bit, it, it feels normal to, to me, at least, you know, this is sort of like the, the lingo that I'm used to, but I think it, you know, it definitely differs. Like when we were at um, GDC, right, we were talking to both Web3 games and typically, you know, I, I just want to say, usually we just call them games, but I'm saying in this context, I'm just using it to kind of draw a line between what I'm about to say. So we were talking to Web3 games. And we were talking to, you know, more traditional Web2 games. And so the way that you position things to one versus the other is obviously very different. Um, I think what we saw this year in comparison to other years is that there was actually like pretty good sentiment um, 
And if not, just the lack of negative sentiment towards Web3 Gaming when we were talking to like the traditional gaming studios. Um, I was talking to some gaming studios that were starting to consider what it would look like um, to, to build like with Web3 mechanics. And so I think a way that we need to think about it is like Web3, blockchain, crypto, those essentially become features of gaming and don't have to be like the all-encompassing name of the space. I think it, if we want it to, to become mainstream, like everybody talks about. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, we could get a, a little bit more like micro about this. Like how, how do we really sell this to, to Web3 games? I think it's that it's really doing a lot of research into the specific games that we're talking to. Um, seeing where they are in their development cycle is very important. And then seeing a lot of games, you'll see actually, which is interesting, they have their marketplace UI up, but their marketplace backend isn't actually functioning. It's sort of like, we wish we had this and we actually have it on our site just so that our users could see what it could look like, but it's not built out. And so of course, that's a, that's a great game to reach out to. Um, that's usually a great fit. And then we see some of these, like, I, I don't know. So there's some games on Avalanche that are more like triple A-ish. Um, those conversations and those sales cycles obviously take a little bit longer, but they are usually more focused on, you know, the product guys are focused on customizability. How customizable is this? So really what it is, is depending on what point the game is in their development cycle there are very different features that we have to focus on in order to make them as happy as possible but regardless of where they are in that cycle every game we talk to is very um basically they put first the the user experience in terms of how can we make this something that doesn't feel foreign to the user and this just feels like a flow that they're used to and they're not going to click out because it's prompting them to do a million things and be redirected to a bunch of places. So for us, product and flow is actually really at the forefront of what we're focusing on. I love that. Like, uh, I, I guess like, uh, since early this year, the, at least for, for most things NFT related, the narrative is, uh, to focus on just like, you know, Oh, this is, uh, this is, this is, this is, this is nice art, right? Digital collectibles, right? Still away from, uh, anything uh, ironically web tree or nft like these words i guess like for for normies uh, is a bit uh, is a bit alarming at times because uh, uh, like earlier you mentioned uh, I, yeah. I know you do cross chain and all it got me thinking about pudgy world so like uh, I, I don't know if you've seen pudgy world but uh, they, they basically did uh, they basically launched it with uh, i think it was polygon then for for you to do i guess like you also just mentioned uh, somebody that you know doesn't have a marketplace yet for SSA Pudgy World example, is it like super easy for you? Like it's just like kind of like they were like Shopify, you know, pull the pick and plug kind of a thing or, you know, how, how would that work? Sure. So for us, it, it really depends. Um, there are some very turnkey uh, routes where we can spin that up, you know, in a matter of, of a week. But there are, again, depending on the game, sometimes they're, are requests that take a little bit longer. Uh, but because we have been building this out 
for a bit now. Um, we're in the space where we can really just spin a games marketplace up and get it live within a couple of weeks. And so in a couple of weeks, yeah, a game can just own its revenue, go to market and control that. So I think that's something that's that's really cool here is you don't have to redirect your users to all these secondary marketplaces that don't let you own your fees. Um, we basically get, oh, and, and one, one more cool thing, actually, and I, I don't mean to ramble on, but um, I think this is interesting is that we're currently the only solution that's doing this, that not only will we populate your assets like on your native marketplace, but we want to get your assets into as many storefronts as possible. And so what we do is we aggregate across the entire secondary market of marketplaces that support your assets. And so we would populate those listings into things like OpenSea, Blur, XYZ as well, um, so that you're really getting as many eyes as possible on your assets, even though at the same time for a game, of course, if they own their own marketplace, they want to make a bunch of sales through that specific platform. But what we see is that you'll own that platform, but at the same time, let's, let's still get as many eyes on you as possible. Oof, oof. Okay, okay. Love that. Uh, I have one last question. Sure. What What are the top three projects that you're excited for right now on AVAX? Oh, that honestly, that's <laughs> tough. That's tough. Um, <laughs> I'm right here. Yeah. The good question. I'll I'll tell you the truth. So uh, the the games that that we're on today, um, we're very excited about. Before I knew that Portal Fantasy was going to be on today, um. I, I was thinking, like, I, I really like what they're doing. Um, I, I know we keep saying that they're nostalgic, but I feel like they're nostalgic to the point where it helps, but at the same time, they have that percent twist that feels new and different, um, which spices things up, and so I think that's really cool. Um, I know, you know, like everybody else, we're also watching um, Shrapnel and... Uh, and we we like what Pulsar is doing. I know our our tech lead Ian at uh, GDC was playing Pulsar's demo for like an hour. But to tell you the truth, there there's I I could tell you twenty games on Avalanche that that we're really excited about, and I I don't know if I could tell you twenty games on a different chain off the top of my head that were as excited about so i think that's also something that stands out here which is like it's a really great community i feel like uh i, I need a threat for this but like there isn't one i, I think heroes of anti they, they had one but like i i gotta dive even deeper into this like i'm making yeah. me I love the statement that you said, you know what, if you were to choose 20 projects on like gaming on AVAX, you can talk, say it back on your head. But if we were to talk about Polygon and then you can't, I mean, whoa, whoa, that, that is a statement. Like, you know, it reflects on how, you know, AVAX is able to shape that gaming community, you know, the creator economy around gaming. I think this is why, you know, we, this is actually our first ever AVAX gaming spaces. And I hope to do more, Maeve, like, you know, learn, about stuff like that shit man like i saw the picture with avax uh you know doing that whole event like people going there and play the game testing out man it makes me bullish bro bro 
I'm extra bullish, man. Like so, so much to learn about. Like, I know, I know, I keep like rambling about this, but like, I, I know APS, but I still get APS. I gotta dive deeper, man. So I'm, I'm <laughs> God damn. <laughs> uh, yep, yep. All right, guys. This is a one hour and thirty minutes mark. Well, uh, you know, thanks again for being here on the second time, man. Like today, first time on AVAX, you know, and then we got wrong, but we came back again, finished up everything, you know, di- deep dive into the projects, know what you guys are building. So once again, thank you for being a part of Hotbox Powered by Pukas, the rock radio of Asia. And you know what, you know, this week, man, like we have, we have doing tons of stuff and I hope to do even more with you guys. So once again, thank you again for being here. You know, typically I know like AVEX spaces last for like one hour and stuff, you know, but we did one hour and 30 minutes, you know, happy to have you guys back here the next time to deep dive into, you know, what you guys are building next. All right. Once again, thank you, Parser. Thank you, Parser Fantasy, Mina for being here and see you guys again next time. Take care. Bye for now. Thank you. Have a good day, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Maeve, today I have to play, like, music from my from my PC, man. Like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs>